Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at adces24.org. Hello, and welcome to ADCES podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm Joanne Rinker, Director of Practice and Content Development at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. Today, we're breaking down the latest telehealth guidance from CMS and exactly what it means for your practice and clients. We're here with Kate Thomas, ADCES Director of Advocacy, and Sasha Yulman, Director of Diabetes Education and Prevention Programs, to get your questions answered. Hi, Sasha and Kate, and thank you for joining us today. Today, we're here to really provide a high-level overview of how COVID-19 and social distancing measures have changed the landscape of diabetes self-management, education, and support across the country. And what we're going to do today is really summarize what those changes mean to accredited and recognized programs who provide and bill for DSMT. Kate, before we get into the changes, we've talked a lot about waivers and legislation, like the CARES Act. Can you give us an overview of how all of this works? Sure, Joanne. And waivers really seem to be the word of 2020 because we've been working so much within the waiver process um, under the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. So we know that COVID-19 has been driving change across the entire healthcare system. Care has had to change as a result of people not being able to go into physical offices and medical appointments. And so the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, has loosened or changed many of the requirements that they previously had in place surrounding telehealth and providing services remotely. And it's not as easy as it seems. So CMS doesn't always have the authority to go ahead and make those changes. So what we've seen has been a complex process involving Congress passing legislation to give CMS the authority to make some of these changes, the Secretary of HHS using the 1135 waiver process under Section 1135 of the Social Security Act to allow CMS to make changes, and we've seen the administration also working through a public health emergency and disaster proclamations to help loosen that regulatory environment to really allow the federal agencies to have some flexibility to change reimbursement policies during this pandemic. So it's been a lot of things working together. So it sounds like a lot has happened at the policy level, and that has had different implications for DSMT programs in different settings. So, Sasha, can you talk more about how these changes have really impacted DSMT programs? Yeah, definitely. So um, the challenge is that DSMT or DSMES, as we know it, it's really unique in how CMS reimbursement or Medicare reimbursement works. There really don't seem to be any services that really align. DSMES bills as an entity versus an individual provider, and all the diabetes educators or diabetes care and education specialists 
in the program are billing under that one NPI number, which actually complicates things. You know, our programs are really diverse. So we have diabetes self-management education support in federally qualified health centers, rural health centers, pharmacies, physician groups, private practices, community settings, and then, of course, hospitals and other outpatient facilities. But all of these entities follow different billing processes and reimbursement. So it gets really complicated. So we know how valuable DSMES is, especially during a time like this when there's elevated stress, there's different eating habits, different exercise schedules, and all of those have the potential for elevated blood sugars. I know that before COVID-19, DSMES was generally required to be provided in a group setting. And obviously that's not going to be safe for people with diabetes who could be at increased risk for complications from the virus. Right. So right now, any accredited or recognized programs can provide DSMES one-on-one. So that's the first thing to remember is is we're talking about telehealth. If you can see a person one-on-one in the clinic instead of a group setting, that is acceptable. Well, then, Sasha, would they need another referral or can they just document that the visit was one-on-one due to COVID-19? Right. That's a good point. So we're recommending that another referral is not required and just documenting that visit was done one-on-one due to COVID-19 and or because group classes are not available this time. This is an exception that's always existed. If group classes aren't available for more than two months, one-on-one visits can happen in DSMES. So that is kind of how we're doing that. Okay, that really helps. So we're hearing a lot of health systems and organizations are not allowing even in-person visits and that only dietitians can furnish DSMES via telehealth. How did that happen? And I can jump in here, Joanne, because I think it helps to get an understanding of what Medicare telehealth looked like prior to the pandemic. So prior to the pandemic, and you may have heard us discuss this on some of our past podcasts, but prior to the pandemic, Medicare treated telehealth almost exclusively as a tool for rural health areas. And there are very specific regulations and rules surrounding geographic locations and originating sites, which I think you've heard us talk a lot about in the DSMES setting. So CMS also only authorized a limited number of providers to perform telehealth services, and registered dietitians were on that list. So going into the pandemic, they were already set up to provide DSMES via telehealth. And so they didn't have to wait for a lot of those changes to take effect because they were already positioned to do that. So as we've entered the public health emergency, CMS has had to make sweeping changes, some of them done through waivers and others done through the authority granted in the CARES Act. But that's really opened up the door for other providers to provide telehealth. And we've really, as Sasha mentioned, we're looking at DSMES, DSMT in a a number of different settings. And so CMS has kind of taken a piecemeal approach to address some of the considerations in those different settings. And so I thought I would also give some perspective about the role ADCS has played in some of these discussions over the past two months. We saw this happening on the horizon right away. And so we, we were tracking it closely and advocating for DSMT providers in all settings, all types of providers, all diabetes care and education specialists to be able to provide DSMT via telehealth during this time. As Sasha had mentioned previously, it's a little challenging because 
for DSMT, all of the telehealth guidelines are linked to individuals. And really what we're talking about in the DSMT setting is the entity that's doing the billing, whereas different providers are furnishing the service. So really trying to approach this from all different aspects. And so to do so, we felt there was a need to educate CMS. And we've done this in a number of different ways. And I think we'll talk about some of the changes that we've made as a result of some of our efforts. But we've tried to approach this from all different angles. So we've sent letters to CMS, educating them on the specific concerns surrounding the different provider types, providing DSMT and their eligibility to provide services via telehealth. We've worked with partners like the ADA, Endocrine Society, the Diabetes Advocacy Alliance. We've had a letter sent to CMS from our Senate champions, asking them to make some of these changes. And we had close to 700 letters sent from diabetes care and education specialists urging them to address some of these early concerns and concerns that continue to be an issue as of today. We've also had regular communication with the 1135 waiver team who's handling some of these rapid response areas relative to making changes for CMS. And we've also leveraged our accreditation relationships to ensure that we are speaking to the accreditation arm of CMS and that we're really making that connection across all aspects of CMS, which can sometimes be very siloed. So to go back to your initial question, yes, we were hearing initially that only dietitians were able to provide services via telehealth, but we've been really working to enhance that across the provider spectrum to ensure that Medicare beneficiaries with diabetes are able to get access to these services from their homes or whatever practice setting best meets their needs. That's great. So Sasha, were a lot of programs providing telehealth before COVID-19? Because it doesn't sound like it was very straightforward. Yeah, exactly. A lot, you know, RDs had access. We had access, but many weren't doing telehealth. I've talked to, you know, a handful of coordinators, quality coordinators in our programs prior to this who were kind of trying to get up and running. So I think over the last year, there were more people that had it on their radar But we're finding now, as people are getting going, so some of those programs who were already sort of working on it, we're starting to implement it when this happened. And what we're learning is that those different ways they build didn't align with telehealth. And so as these dietitians are diving into this whole new model of delivering DSMES, you know, to avoid disruption in services which isn't a small task, going from group classes to individual visits in many cases, learning new technology. They're keeping their participants engaged, but they're finding that sometimes the billing wasn't working. They were getting denials or their billing departments were telling them, oh, you can't bill this way. Okay. So I know we got some good news about nurses, pharmacists, and other CDESs providing telehealth. Kate, can you share what we know now? Sure. I I love to be the bearer of good news um, rather than bad news. So yes, we have gotten some good news relative to nurses, pharmacists, and other healthcare professionals providing DSMT via telehealth in the hospital outpatient setting. So I want to make a note here, as we've talked about, Sasha mentioned, I mentioned, CMS is looking at this in terms of practice setting and provider type. So I wish we at this point could provide a blanket statement saying that all DCESs can provide services via telehealth um, under Medicare. But right now, I'm going to talk specifically about some recent changes that CMS announced on April 30th 
relative to the hospital outpatient setting. And we hope that we'll have more good news to report in some other cases coming down the pike, but I wanted to just kind of frame this under that specific practice setting scenario. So we know that a lot of providers were having some issues in the hospital outpatient setting. Nurses and pharmacists were reporting that they couldn't furnish the service and that there were a lot of challenges billing on the UB04 form. And this is across all provider types that were using this form, not just diabetes care and education specialists. So to respond to the pandemic on April 30th, CMS provided guidance on how hospitals can bill during the COVID-19 pandemic when providers who typically furnish services in hospital outpatient departments are now instead furnishing those services as telehealth services. So now when services like DSMT are furnished by hospital clinical staff, like nurses and pharmacists, the hospital should continue to bill for these services as if they were furnished in the hospital and consistent with any specific requirements that Medicare has for billing. So you would meet any of the DSMT accreditation requirements, but nurses and pharmacists can bill under the hospital NPI. You would bill on the UBO4 form as you normally would if that's how you submit claims. But it's a little bit different here in terms of what has to happen. So you perform the service, nurses and pharmacists can perform the service, it's billed on the UBO4 But what CMS is saying is because there previously wasn't a mechanism to bill telehealth on the UBO4, they're allowing hospitals under CMS's Hospitals Without Walls initiative to make the patient's home part of the hospital. Is everybody confused? Because I am. (laughs) Um, So let let me break that down again. Um, The hospital can make the patient's home a provider-based department of the hospital. It's a totally unique thing under this waiver, and it's not something you're going to see all the time. There are some nuances around it, so we have some information available in our FAQs. If you participated in our most recent question and answer session on May 5th, you'll see some slides that have some resources. We'd encourage you to take this information back to your billing and compliance departments to work out some of the details. But CMS is trying to work within their means to find solutions to some of these issues that have been plaguing um, many providers and patients. So to summarize, I know that was a lot, and I know that was a little bit more than the question you asked, but DSMT can be provided via telehealth in the hospital outpatient setting if the patient is at home. It can be provided by clinical staff, um, including nurses and pharmacists. The patient must be a registered outpatient of the hospital or just have an established relationship that way. And then, as I mentioned, the patient's home would be made a provider-based department of the hospital. All DSMT requirements need to be met, which I mentioned previously. And then if you were billing on the UBO4, you would continue to bill in that same way. And these changes, this is a question we get asked a lot, these changes are effective as of March 1st, 2020. And they will extend through the duration of the public health emergency, which is a time that we we don't know exactly how long the public health emergency will be extended for, but they are valid throughout that time. So, yeah, that's interesting. So these are all retroactive as they come out. And I just want to encourage everybody, if you're a a DAP quality coordinator, you should have received the FAQ in your email. If you're not, the FAQ will be available 
and is available on our COVID-19 webpage, which is diabeteseducator.org slash COVID-19. Thanks, Sasha. All right. So one more point of clarification. What about FQHCs in rural health centers? Can they provide telehealth now? For DSMES? Yes. And so this is another example of Congress and CMS working together. So the CARES Act, which was passed by Congress on March 27th, had a provision in the law that it would authorize FQHCs and RHCs to provide services via telehealth during the COVID-19 pandemic public health emergency. And what CMS said in terms of implementation, they released some guidance in April And they said that any practitioner can furnish telehealth services from any location, including their home, during the time that they're working for the FQHC and RHC. And so they can furnish any telehealth service, any provider, any location. And the stipulation is that there has to be an approved telehealth service. And GO 108 is one of the DSMT services, is one of those approved services. So there's a lot of flexibility in the FQHC, RHC setting. And again, we have more information on our FAQs, including a link to CMS's documentation, if you'd like to provide that to your FQHC or RHC. Okay, so this is great, but I know that there are still some unanswered questions. So Sasha, what is sort of still on the table? With all this, I know there's still some gray area that our members have been thinking about and asking about. Yeah, exactly. You know, as Kate said, we're really hoping for this blanket, all DSMT programs to get some real clarity that a DSMT program builds as an entity, you know, instead of an individual provider. And we really would like confirmation that any DSMT program is considered a distance site practitioner, essentially, and can furnish telehealth services no matter what setting they're in. So we are continuing to ask CMS for that, you know, official statement or some sort of confirmation, which is in line with the rationale that we've seen, but we would really like that in writing specifically. And then the other thing is, you know, one of the things that we identified early on is that we're asking that for calendar year 2020, they waive that requirement that the initial 10 hours of DSMES training has to be furnished within a continuous 12-month period. You know, currently many beneficiaries have been unable to participate in DSMES and have lost valuable time in utilizing their full benefit. So we're very concerned about those people that maybe were near the end of that 12-month period or that time will end if they had started and really do need that follow-up care. Okay. I know we've covered a lot of different changes. Kate, would you be able to provide us a quick recap Absolutely. And I also want to add to Sasha's latest statements about some of the two remaining questions that we have. And just to reinforce that we continue to advocate for these changes. And this, as I had referenced earlier, our Senate champions, Senator Shaheen and other senators, bipartisan list of supporters did send a letter to CMS, I believe it was yesterday, pushing for these changes and putting some added pressure on CMS to really seek out some of these clarifications. So we're really happy for the support of our congressional partners and the relationships that our members have developed with their members of Congress to help give them a foundation to jump into action when we need their help. So I wanted to run through kind of a a summary of where we've come since March and how this ties into our advocacy efforts. So These are some of the things that we've advocated for and some of the changes that have been made as a result of our advocacy and our partners' advocacy. So 
our initial asks were around allowing DSMT to be provided one-on-one. DSMT can also now be provided audio only if audio and video are not available. I know there was a lot of questions around that and something that our members really strongly urged us to pursue. So we were excited to see that change made in the April 30th guidance from CMS. Early on, we advocated for removing geographic and originating site requirements for DSMT beneficiaries because we didn't want people having to come into a clinic if they didn't have to. We addressed the UBO4 billing issue, which had been plaguing many of our hospital outpatient providers. We've advocated for DSMT to be provided by all providers via telehealth in all settings, and we've seen results in FQHCs, RHCs, and hospital outpatient settings. We also were advocating for waiving the in-person requirements for CGM and insulin pumps, which we saw in some March guidance from CMS. And most recently, this has been a a long-term advocacy priority for us, is waiving the clinical indications for CGM. And we saw that in the most recent guidance as well, that CMS is recognizing that they want diabetes, Medicare beneficiaries with diabetes to have access to CGM during this time. And so they've made some changes waiving those clinical indications for CGM. So all of this is contained in our FAQs. I know we've mentioned those quite a few times, but we've really tried to synthesize the information in there and make it an easy reference document for our members to have at hand. But that's the list of where we've been since March. Our work is never done. Um, we have long-term goals as well. Some of these changes, I think, seeing them play out through the pandemic, they make a lot of sense to have us strive to achieve long-term or permanent changes in some of these areas. I think healthcare has changed so dramatically. Telehealth and communications and technology has changed dramatically. So we are, are on a trajectory of change and we're working as an organization with our members and with our partners to help make some of these changes lasting. Well, we really appreciate this summary. And of course, we're looking forward to where we can go from here in the future. And so I just want to thank you both so much for joining today. Thanks, Joanne. Thank you, Joanne. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. Today we learned that CMS has continued to respond to the COVID-19 pandemic and update guidance. Kate Thomas, ADCES Director of Advocacy, and Sasha Yulman, Director of Diabetes Education and Prevention Programs, walked us through the latest announcements and shared the work ADCES has done with CMS, partners, and members to make telehealth more accessible. To access the FAQ mentioned in this episode and other resources, visit diabeteseducator.org slash COVID-19. Membership at ADCES gives you access to the education, networking, and resources to improve your practice and optimize outcomes for our clients. Find out what ADCES can do for you at diabeteseducator.org join. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.